Today's episode of 990 Talk. Brought to you by Michael Knopf with Draper Kramer Mortgage Corp. Uh, so states are starting to open up. We're going to phase three, hopefully, this week. Um, so when the states open up, that means the economy opens up. When the economy opens up, it means the real estate market comes back, hopefully, which means if you're buying a house, you need the best in the business. Michael Knopf from Draper and Kramer 773. Why? 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 Do you, why? I just why? Forgot, I forgot to pull Come off. on, man. Okay, hold on. Just, just hold on. Someone actually asked me for his number. I'm gonna find it in my. Oh, phone. really? Yeah. Like a listener asked for his number. Eight four seven two three nine seven eight zero four. Eight four seven two three nine seven eight zero four. Hey. Hey, mom. What's up? Really, what I really want to know is how supportive Malka is of this podcast venture. Believe it or not, you're going to be really excited about this, but uh, we are... Probably uh... not, if you and I are calling me about something. Okay. <laughs> well, that went well. <laughs> I think she hung up. <laughs> you guys are so bored, seriously. <laughs> are you going to listen to it? Well, I don't know. I, so I don't always listen to things that maybe relate to my life. <laughs> wow, that that hurts. Oh, that, that's that is great. right in the gut. <clears throat> I mean... You guys have nothing better to do with your time. I figured it's about time you do something. Now, you're obviously very bored because you have no idea if it was going to actually be happening. <laughs> We're calling it 990 Talk. A lot of people out there think that those who can't make profit work in nonprofit, and that may or may not be true. You know, we're just like two dudes in, in a world that most people are focused on chasing every dollar. We kind of just want to show people that there's a niche for guys like us. In the meantime, we're out to at least talk about what it means to work in nonprofit. You know, just like changing the world is more important. So. Do me and you can do you. But I'm going to do what I love. Do what I love. I'm going to do me and you can do you. And welcome back to 990 Talk on this Memorial Day. Ari Strulowitz, along with me, Strulabagopolsky. And uh, Ari, how's your extended weekend going? Great. Are you, are you in a bad mood? No, I'm not. I, I, I never, because now you just put the pressure on. You said Memorial Day. And I don't know if the listeners understand, like, how much goes into the editing. And now I have pressure, like, to get it out soon. Because you mentioned a day. I don't like doing that. Well, they're not going to know until it's actually released. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> um, well, then they'll know how long it took me. Speaking to of edit. Memorial Day, um, anyone in your family serve? Yeah. Um, yeah, my grandfather, my mother's father served in the Korean War. Um, and my father's father, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's like kind of family folklore, but he was definitely in the Army at one point. He calls it the War of Colorado. If you look it up, there's no such thing. It sounds like he, like, they're like some, like, practice exercise went bad or something and he had to live out in the cold for a few days so he calls it the war of colorado <laughs> it's not a real thing does he have any, any actually uh, any actual real stories from serving i don't know we're just it's like a family like thing we always talk about the war of colorado i mean there's a really good picture of him holding a gun with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth so to me that's like i don't know pretty cool is that your like your it's gonna be like your inheritance like you're gonna frame it what that picture yeah yeah, I've actually been looking for it recently. I was thinking about putting it up on the wall somewhere. Mm. Uh, what about you? Um, you know, took out the inflatable pool yesterday. No, no. Did anyone in your family serve? Oh, um, yes. My grandfather did, actually. He did. Yeah. So, okay. shout out to him. Saba, living in Israel. Thank you for your service. 
Thank you to all those for your service. Back to what I was saying, though. Yeah, the pool. Sorry. Took out the inflatable pool yesterday, 82 degrees. Got a big, we got a big uh, unicorn pool situation. What, it's pretty cool. Sorry, what's a unicorn pool? Mean? It's like an inflatable pool that's like in the shape of a unicorn, but it sprinkles oh, like water the, out of the tail. The outside is yeah, that? yeah. It's that it's that time of the year now. It's over. You know, it's inflatable pool every single. Unicorns have really become a thing the last few years, right? I mean, last few, I mean like eight, nine. But yeah, also like my kids were mad when I deflated it, as if like they thought like I killed the pool, the, I killed the unicorn. Like, but we, we we love it. You didn't like stab it with a knife. No, that would be dumb because then I wouldn't have use it, for it again, week. right? So, um, but anyway, um, so we, we got are, a great show lined up here. We're I'm really excited for this one. We have a massive interview today, which we're psyched about with Dr. Steve Nasseter, obviously the former president of the Jewish United Fund at Metropolitan Chicago. Um, we are so pumped to have him on. And uh, in his honor, yeah, he truly is one of the uh, iconic uh, Jewish figures for sure of Chicago in Chicago's history. So in, in his honor, we decided that today's Mount Trashman would be iconic Jewish American figures. So uh, here we go. Okay, but there's a couple like rules. We, you yeah, made, the so one the one ground rules. Like, we basically said no rabbis because no rabbis. First of all, you can't make jokes, and be it you know it kind of just you know defeats the purpose here. So um, I found that this was kind of similar to the mustache Mount Trashmore, and that there was just a ton of ways to go with it. Um, but as always, um, we're, we're down for the challenge. So uh, do, you want, do you want to go first? Should I go first? Um, I can I can go first. Okay, okay. Let's see. You ready? Just about ready. Um, all right, so here here is my my number one. I don't think we could talk about influential Jews in America mm-hmm. without mentioning Sandy Koufax. Okay, I think that story about the game on Yom Kippur and the you know that whole thing. I don't you know there's a lot of like theories and this and that. It really what I, at the end of the day, Sandy Koufax missed a game, an important game for Yom Kippur, and I think that inspired an entire generations of people um and he will forever go down as i think that was a huge influence on american jewry so yeah on that note uh, sandy koufax the legend has it one. the legend has it from when i was a kid so it's funny our generation sandy koufax was always sean green he was like the token jewish yeah, guy I got, in baseball. His, I got his autograph on. so um the 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 legend has it when i was a kid is that one time he uh actually attended the high holiday services at a dot yashern in la jolla um I wonder if any of our listeners, if any of my childhood friends um, are listening and they could just text me and confirm whether or not that story is true or not. But yeah, Sandy Kovacs, that's a good call. Who's your number two? Okay, number two is also someone who I think just, it was like, it's one of those guys like, you know, like, yo, that's, he's cool that, it's cool that he's Jewish is Steven Spielberg. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, Steven Spielberg. I mean, obviously his impact on Hollywood is really truly amazing but no I'm not we're not going I'm not we're not doing this can you please sing the Jurassic Park theme song Jurassic Park wait one second how does it go I don't know because I was gonna that's different so no that's not second yeah how does it go that's like the mighty duck that one that was mighty ducks we can't do this movie thing again um Jurassic Park moving on okay whatever whatever it'll come to me um, so that's my one and two. Is, he did direct uh, Jurassic Park, right? Sandy Koufax and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Okay, fine. Thanks, sure. Okay. Um, so for me, my number one, um, I have to say the number one on my, uh, Mount Trash were of iconic Jewish figures. I am a huge NBA guy, so I have to go with the late, great David Stern. Um, <laughs> you know, playing, you know, in my, in my head, you know, there's nothing for me like 
some guy from Brooklyn basically going up with his accent and saying, with the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant. So for me, that's, you know, obviously very sentimental. So David Stern, number okay. one. That's cool. I mean, not always like a great representation of the Jews necessarily. Not necessarily bad. Right. That's true. I don't think he was bad. Listen, you know, like we said before, you know, David Stern, obviously responsible for the growth of the NBA into a national brand, or I should say an international brand. Um, it's funny, like basically all the all the commissioners are basically Jewish, you know, Bud Selig, Gary Bettman. Um, but I think that David Stern. Yeah, Gary Bettman is not a good uh, a good rep. The Gentiles can have him back. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did hear that. They I didn't I, like someone, gift him to us. I, no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but someone actually told me that he uh, he actually has like a. He has a Talmud Chavrusa. I don't know if that's Who, true. Who, Gary Bettman? Yeah. Really? Get on that. Well, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'd be shunned by, like, the NHLPA. Like, I don't... I don't... Like, they don't like him. I know. Well, that's the whole joke of all the commissioners. I guess so. So, you know, David Stern, number one for me. Number two for me is going to have to be the notorious RBG, the Honorable Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Is there anything... Oh, more, is there anything wow! More, is there anything more Jewish than... Your bubby sitting in a robe telling you what to do. <laughs> Possibly not, and she was almost on my list. So, so the RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I like that. Absolutely iconic, iconic Jewish figure. So All right, let's just settle this right now because it's gonna bother me. Please uh play play it for us. What are we playing? Oh, Jurassic Park? Yes. Okay, hold on. But this isn't like the this is not like the iconic part. Fast forward. Stop it. Okay, I'll turn it off. Da, na, 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 okay, so you know what? Da, na, 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 na. Whatever. Okay, whatever. Okay, stupid talk. Anyways, all right, that was your one. That was my one and two. Okay, so my number three, um, I think is uh, is a cool one. I hope you didn't do this one. Also, should have been. I think maybe now that I'm thinking about it, on the trash more of mustaches, but uh, iconic American Jews is Albert Einstein. Okay, I okay. think that you. I, I did well, so when I was conferring with my writers, shout out to my writers about wait, wait, what? I have writers. Yeah, that's why I'm better than you at this. No, oh my gosh, no, that, wait, you you build your trash more with with the writers? Of course. Oh my gosh, that is so pathetic. It's not pathetic. That's genius. I'm here for the content, not for my ego. I'm not here for the ego, my ego either. I just don't want to bother other people. With the point. Listen, everyone is dying to be a writer for my podcast. The point is. Oh my. That I Gosh. had in mind, we discussed Albert Einstein for the mustache trash more, but we figured his hair is really more iconic than the mustache. It's his hair that's no, the No, it could iconic. be. I just, I think, I think it, it's true. I, I'm not taking that away. I'm just saying he had an incredible mustache. The epitome of genius and a Jewish guy. And I think he represented us well. He was a Nobel Peace Prize winner, right? Yeah. Nobel Peace Prize winner. You think, you think he'd be good at learning a Marshall? He probably could do it. Probably. Sleep. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. That's okay, not- so that's Albert Einstein. That's my number three. My number four... Um, I'm a huge, I'm a huge music guy. People know that. And, um, Paul Simon is my number four from Simon and Garfunkel. I can't believe you didn't Simon say Bob Dylan. Fame. Bob Dylan was a close, I was, I wasn't sure. Bob Dylan's like almost too Jewish for me to put him on the list. What about your boy, Peter Hillman? Shout out to all the camp people out there. Yeah. Peter Hillman. <laughs> that was J camp 180 conference three years ago. Good four times. Years ago. Good times. Best story ever I think was we're the all, I think, story. Uh, I think we, everyone's trying to forget share, about that. Can I share the bathroom story? No, no not for now. Why not? Maybe we'll do a trash run about. Jay my Campbell. family 
when he loves Peter Himmelman. Peter Himmelman is, um, I think he's a stepson-in-law to Bob Dylan. He's also has his own music career, and I kind of stalked him on the conference. Like I would like hide behind bushes and take pictures of him and stuff. And then, like, sure enough, I'm in the bathroom and I see his feet under the stall. So I try to just like quietly snap a picture of his shoes and be like, "Yo, look who's in the stall!" And uh, accidentally, my flash was on, and I quickly fumbled to grab my phone, picked myself, and ran out of the bathroom as fast as I could. Well, if he's listening to this now, he could sue you, Peter Hemlin. Yeah, why? Because now he knows who what who it was. What's he suing me for? You took a picture of him in the bathroom. Is that? It's just his shoes. Okay. Well. Okay. It's a not, weird story, right? I'm not okay. It's a weird story. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, no, but back to Paul Simon. So Paul Simon is an extremely talented musician. Bob Dylan's also extremely talented, but I think Bob Dylan's too Jewish. And Paul Simon is, you know, an iconic American Jew. Simon and Garfunkel, their influence on music was felt around the world. Um, and I, uh, I've actually, I actually had the, uh, the opportunity to see him play live, and I did, and it was awesome. Good for you. Yeah, old friends tour. In 2004. Okay. At the United Center. Wow. Wow. Okay. Parsley say My number three. Time. So when I was thinking this over, I wanted to do somebody in, in the entertainment industry, and I'm kind of jealous you thought of Spielberg because it was it was pretty. It's 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 like not like too specific. Oh, you're jealous because I thought of it without writers. <laughs> No, but the the point was like I don't want to just do like a random actor because like there's so many of them. So you had a director that was good, but um, I got to go with the king of comedy or one of them at least um, from New York City, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. He I, I'd say overall he represented the Jews well. Again, that's not the question about representing the Jews well. You're just saying he's iconic. Saying because yeah, like again, this, he's not on my man Trashmore. I don't think Bernie Sanders represents the Jews well, but he's iconic. Right, and there's a reason why you didn't put him on there. Yeah, because no politics in the show. Right, so we're going to stop that conversation there. Um, no, you're right. Seinfeld is an awesome American Jew, absolutely. Yeah. and uh, He doesn't really work Jewish like culture into his stuff so much, does he? I just think like his, like his person, he is Jewish culture, though. He is Jewish he culture. He gets on the stage, and like but, you're looking at, you could, like, you could be looking at him, and you just see a matzo ball. Right, but he doesn't like talk about Jewish culture in his stand-up, does he? Uh, I don't know. I wonder if he's proud to be Jewish. To be honest, I've never watched the show. <laughs> You've never seen an episode of No, Seinfeld? I have. Like I haven't like watched all of them. Okay. And uh that and 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 my my fourth on the Mount Trashmore, this is really more for the millennials out there. Um Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, took him off my list. Yeah. Yeah, same reason. Which is? I don't like him. Why? Cuz I don't think he's favorable to the Jews and Israel. So, okay. You know, I think he actually started like laying shop scandals or something like that. No, he it's a, it was a complete marketing ploy. Okay, and no, we're not we're not here to hate on people. I'm we're sorry, just... you're right. He's a, absolutely an influential, and iconic American Jew. And he's also pro- probably pretty smart. He's probably. Is it true that he like ripped off Facebook? What from like MySpace? From like his neighbor, like his no, like, they, roommate in college or something? I think. I mean, I think they came up with it in their in their Harvard dorm. Oh, well, good for him. He made a couple bucks on it, so. Yeah, a little bit. A couple bucks. Yeah, just a few. All right. Well, that's a pretty good trash more. Thanks for that. Well, on that note, his what, what's his valuation? Several billion dollars, which takes us to our interview today, Dr. Steve Nassiter, who really needs no introduction, but he is credited with raising $8 billion in his tenure for- Yeah, that's not 
not Federation. normal. Not normal? No, it's like a crazy amount of money. If I raised $8 billion for Cam McGill Midwest, what would we do with the money? What would we do with the money? Yeah. I don't know, like offer free camp to like everyone? Well, first we'd build a gym. Yeah, yeah, we really need a gym. I Yeah, we need a gym. On that note, my campaign for the mustache is still going. So if anyone wants to pledge some money to Camp McGill Midwest, I'm about three and a half thousand dollars towards the ten thousand dollar mark, specifically for my mustache. The camp, the money will benefit Camp Nagila Midwest, and I'm willing to shave or really close trim to my face the rest of my you keep, beard. You and keep leave moving my the goalposts. No, I'm not. I can't. I, I have had a beard forever. I can't not have a beard, but it'll be a noticeable mustache. Perm two years ago, if you remember, it'll be like that, but probably even more. So you, I'm just very nervous. You'll, you'll I'm look very like, nervous about the double chin. You'll look like chin, a large feline. I'm very nervous about my chin situation. Okay. So. Anyway, like I said, we're having Doctor Nasser join us today. Um, we're thrilled. Are about you it. nervous? Yes. I'm only like I'm like a little nervous. I don't know. Dude, you're shaking. The table is shaking. Okay. I feel like this is like the big time right now. He doesn't know who we are. It doesn't matter. I know, but I feel like this is like make or break for our careers. No, I think that there's a good chance this entirely tanks. And we'll be no worse for the wear. <laughs> I'm serious. So would that be better or worse if that happens? I don't know. We don't have to air it. And then it's just whatever. I don't know. Because you're almost, almost making me nervous. I really feel like if this doesn't go well, either we, if it's really bad, we don't air it. If it's just like, eh, bad, I think that like he hangs up the phone and he forgets about it by lunch. And then we air it. Yeah, I don't think it matters. <laughs> Do we air it if he we hangs up on us? tag him anyways. We could tag the Federation. We need some serious expert social media help. So if anyone's listening yeah. and cares to donate some time, we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> okay, I forget it. We're going into that. No, I'm just saying that this whole thing is like, like this. how did it come from like, oh, we're going to like buy some stuff and make a podcast to interviewing Steve Nasser? You know what I'm saying? This oh. is crazy. We now welcome to the show. It is a it is a great honor for us to have for you this morning, Dr. Stephen Nassiter, who is the executive vice chairman, of course, of the Jewish United Fund, Jewish Federation of Metropolitan Chicago. Um, good morning, Dr. Nassiter. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, good morning to you as well, and I'm very pleased to have this opportunity to chat with you. Okay, so obviously, you know, we're we're going to talk about. Um, the the machine, if you will, that is the Jewish Federation of Chicago, and you know, and the history of it, and the forty years of your career there. But but even before that, um, what I personally am curious to know is, I, you know, I want to hear about your personal background. You know, what was your inspiration? What was what did Jewish communal life look like? You know, back in the seventies, what did you actually want to be when you grew up? Like, you know, we were saying before how you know a, t- a typical kid wants to be an astronaut or a football player. No one dreams to become you know the the CEO of the of the, the gold standard of Jewish federations in America. So, h- how did that become? Just on a personal level. Well, that's uh, first of all, thanks for the. Nice compliment. Um, I can assure you uh, that I, when I was growing up on the north side of Chicago, and by the way, I went to Peterson Elementary, Von Steuben High School, played four years of basketball at Von Steuben. That was my my uh, share of my claim to sh- to fame. Um, um, uh, belonged to Shari Tikva congregation, uh, where I attended faithfully uh, for many, many years. I didn't think of growing up and being involved in Jewish communal service uh, either. Um, and, uh, you know, things, life is funny. It's kind of serendipity and things just happen. 
Um, I, I was, you know, I br- was brought up in a conservative Jewish household and uh, uh, certainly connected Jewishly, uh, both through my family and through my synagogue and everything else. But, you know, uh, I was focused on other kinds of things, and frankly, the turn on the the the, the turning point for me was the Six Day War. And uh, I had graduated college. I had just uh, landed a, a, a kind of instructor position at the University of Illinois at Chicago, which was just beginning to to go forward. And um, suddenly, you know, they build up to the Six Day War, uh, annihilate the Jews. Uh, it captivated my attention and then the extraordinary relief uh when this miracle of a six day of victory took place uh that was kind of my turn on and i and i remember i remember making a gift of 25 dollars um there which was a lot of money actually to me at that time and uh without sounding too hokey i i did that because i just wanted to be part of something and um, as, as life would have it, uh, four years later, I was actually working at the Jewish Federation. I came there in 71, and I became the executive in 79. Um, and that concept of uh, participating with others in uh, moving forward Jewishly uh, became, you know, who I was and what I've, what I've had uh, this great uh, opportunity to participate in. Dr. Nasser, the Federation obviously has accomplished a lot over the years. Is there one accomplishment in particular that you feel you're most proud of? Yes, I would say, and it was one, and it's because it was over a longer period of time. I, I for for my generation, and I'm now 75. I was born in 45, and for my generation, uh, the uh, incredible um, uh, time of the struggle to save Soviet Jewry was kind of our civil rights type movement. And, and of course, it took place during that period of time. And it really did begin, by the way, really, really following the Six Day War, where the a leadership group of Jews in the Soviet Union uh, expressed their desire to, to go to Israel and uh, stood up to the mighty Soviet empire where, you know, notions of leaving were verboten. Uh, and... Uh, for 25 years, that struggle took place and involvement and going to the Soviet Union and visiting with refuseniks and having some triumphs and having some failures and uh, and all of that. And then the uh, the day on the mall in uh, 87 uh, and uh, where hundreds of thousands of people came out when Gorbachev came uh, to say, let my people go. And then the, the mass exodus in 90. Uh, and uh, what became Operation Exodus. This was uh, this was a lo- over a long period of time, uh, from the advocacy to resettlement, uh, from uh, working with government officials to finding places for people to live and schools for them to go and vocational assistance here in Chicago. We resettled more than 35,000 uh, Jews in the Chicago area, and of course we participated in resettling a million Jews to Israel, and the million Jews to Israel, frankly, transformed that society. And so this period of time, this movement of people was indeed a great event in Jewish life. And to, uh, again, I've had the privilege and 
in a small way, uh, and me and thousands and thousands and thousands of others, um, uh, was, was uh, I think, the, um, um, really a hallmark of the time that I've spent in Jewish, organized Jewish life. Dr. Nasser, I have to ask, how's your Russian? Not good. <laughs> Although three of my three of my grandparents came from Ukraine, uh, but uh, no, I don't. I don't speak any Russian. Although I have one son that speaks a little Russian, so there, there you go. But Russian wasn't spoken in my house. Yiddish was spoken in my house by my grandparents, not Russian. And so, no, my I don't. I don't have good Russian. But I have some good stories of visiting Refuseniks, and I, I you know, I had opportunity to go often. And uh, as I say all the time, uh, you know, we in America who went to visit Refuseniks, we were not heroes. We had a U.S. passport. And although they can make things unpleasant for you when you came, and they did, uh, they, and we were followed everywhere that we went. But the real heroes uh, were the Refuseniks and uh, just extraordinary a courage, and over the years, I became very friendly with Natan Sharansky, and just uh, just kind of uh, epitomizes this extraordinary resilience and and uh, and vision uh, in terms of uh, the importance and the need to reunite with the Jewish people. So, um, so that would yeah, I'm mean, having a lot of a lot of good ones, but I think that one over a long period of time really did prove uh, the capacity of the collective to make significant changes. Dr. Nasser, a lot of organizations, particularly in the social service space, um, oftentimes find themselves sort of pivoting and, and, and meeting particular needs of the community at any given time. How do you make sure that the, the efforts with Soviet Jews didn't just become the definition of the Federation? Well, because well, that's a very good question, and and again, and and the federation, with its hit rich history, its involvement of significant numbers of people, um, really was very thoughtful and strategic in what it did. So, for example, when the the, the final doors really flew open, as I said, ninety, and you had massive emigration both here and and to Israel, uh, and the needs were amazing. So and so, what do you do to meet that? And at the same time, as you say, make sure everything else continues is in, is in, is is in place, and that this one priority doesn't kind of overwhelm uh, your capacity. Well, I think we did that really well. I mean, first we went out and we raised money. We raised I don't know, hundred and two, hundred and three million dollars. That's nineteen ninety dollars. That was a lot of money. <laughs> if you were, what, what is that? What is that today? Is that twice that today? I I don't know. I have to get a computer out, but it's significant. <laughs> it was it was significant. It was very significant that, and and equally important in addition to the amount of the dollars, were the numbers of people participating. You know, we, I think there were like sixty thousand gifts to that extra campaign. And you know, if you take sixty thousand, if you just multiply it by four, you know, kind of family size. You see the number, and at that time, we, we estimated our population was probably at about 250, 260, uh, 260,000 people. So just about everybody that could make a gift to that effort, it feels like they did. Just about every family that could. Of course, then you have your people that obviously can't. But so, so that was an extraordinary thing all by itself in terms of it captivating the imagination of people and recognizing, oh, this is really important. And then we looked at that and, and, and said, you know, okay, when you take that kind of money out of a special campaign, it's hard to keep your annual campaign up. 
So we went to the banks and we borrowed fifty thousand dollars, and um, and said we'd pay that back over twenty years because we're going to need this additional money, so that uh, we make certain that we don't decrease the allocations of any of our schools or our agencies or the 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 uh, elderly, uh, et cetera. And that's what we did. And that's kind of how we managed through that. So we came up with significant assets and lots of involvement of people in the resettlement. And at the same time, we made sure that it wasn't done off the backs of other people in need. 35,000 uh, Jews immigrating to Chicago is a, it's a, it's a silly number. That's preposterous. That's incredible. Um, so, you know, we've spoken so far about, you know, what you, what you, what you, what you did in the, in the past, but what do you see as, as the next frontier in Jewish communal life and, and the next challenge that the Jewish community needs to face or tackle? Um, well, okay. Well, first of all, obviously we're, you know, we're meeting at a time where if you want to talk about challenge uh, from, for all of America, perhaps for all of the world, uh, we're, we're, we're here with this virus and it's a, it's a significant and very difficult uh, set of challenges and the, uh, the economic hit uh, coming at the same time where, you know, people really, people who are most vulnerable really need the most aid. Uh, this, is a, this is a big challenge in itself. But in terms of mega issues, this, this will come and this will go and together the community will get through this, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I, I do see that the um, where we're at, and, and it kind of connects to the kind of involvement that the two of you are involved in and, and the engaging of people. This opportunity to engage new generations in Jewish life, um, I think, is the big challenge. I think, uh, I think uh, the, the, the notion of how do we get more people to go to Jewish camp? How do we have more people choosing to go to Jewish day school? How do we have more people go to Israel for short-term and long-term opportunities? How do we, and, and you know, and, the, and it goes on and on and on. And I think that that's, uh, that's the, this, this engagement and connection of people Jewishly at a time of change, and there's no question change is taking place, um, is, I think, the big challenge uh, for the Jewish community. And all of this taking place and the need at a time where uh, anti-Semitism is real. And, uh, you know, to be honest, in a, in a kind of a foolish way, I, I kind of grew up, you know, I think I'm, I know enough about anti-Semitism, but that was that was my that effect in my parents' generation. It didn't have great effect on my generation, and yes, it was a nuisance, but uh, it was a small one. By and large, America offered a uh, great opportunity to all Jews, and uh, I think you see the kind of hate that exists today, and it kind of takes your breath away. So we have to, I think, uh, want, you know, and it's not it's not making people Jewish. It's offering opportunities in an engagement platform that uh, that young people, why wouldn't they choose to, in fact, be involved uh, in the ongoing saga of the Jewish people? And I think if you when you flip that to, you know, what do we do to make and, and get to why not? How do we figure out an op a set of opportunities that are so positive and so engaging that people choose to? 
Um, and yet, as I say, at a time where it's it's interesting taking place. I mean, even I, I started with the COVID virus. I was reading this morning, you know, more and more conspiracy theories of, you know, how it was the Jews that that brought the virus, uh, inflicted the virus upon the people. So we have our, you know, your your generation and the generation behind you. Uh, you have your your set of challenges. And that's the, listen, that's the uniqueness of the Jewish people is this uh, unbroken history and connection and uh, always moving forward and being resilient uh, and recognizing that we're so privileged to be part of the Jewish people. And each of us in our own way has a responsibility of, of pushing the story forward. I always say I, I would never bet against the Jews. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So over, over the years in your career, I'm sure you've seen a lot of organizations and different projects sort of come and go. Um, in short, what would you say you think is like the most important qualities of those organizations, those successful organizations? Well, I, you know, again, I, that's, you know, I, I don't, I don't, again, I don't want to be trite. I, I, I guess that the, you know, they have to be authentic and, and they, and they have to, and the one thing that I've learned involved in a, you know, in a, in a very organized uh, institution with a variety of, of layers is that you really can't plan down. You really have to listen. You got to open up your ears and listen to what you think people are looking for and what they desire and how do you, how do you give uh, vo- further voice uh, to their aspirations, as opposed to, well, we know what's good for them, and if they, if they, if we only can get them to do this, that, or the other thing, everything will be fine. And I, I think, I think it's so. I think it's kind of an approach, uh, which is open up, <laughs> listen, um, make some bets on new ideas, um, uh, invest in people. Uh, and, and, and really the, the organizations will come, the organizations come, organizations go, um, uh, we're organizations, even organizations as big and as longstanding as a federation, you know, we're only vehicles for the people and you know, the organizations themselves, it's the people that are, that are the value and of the worth. And so I think, you know, listen to the people and, uh, and and try to, in fact, uh, respond to uh, what the emerging needs are. So on that note, I, I'm curious to hear your opinion as far as how, what do you think are like the most drastic differences between the values of today's Jewish philanthropists versus maybe some previous generations? Ah, oh, interesting. Um, listen, there's, you know, there's significant wealth in our community, and that's a great thing. Again, that comes back to uh, what an incredible country America has been for the Jewish people. Uh, and uh, I think we can be proud of the philanthropy that uh, Jews bring to all, all aspects of life. Um, but I would argue <laughs> that an important part of that is Jewish is the Jewish focus of, uh, of living Jewishly uh, in America and, and throughout the world. And um, I think there too, I think, um, I think that the, and I and, and again, it's been it's a great privilege to meet individual people, and I, I won't get into a list of names, but obviously I've had opportunity to work with some really great ones, um, and I think that 
they, as I go back in time, there were people who were, how can I help? And I think that should be how philanthropists, which is a fancy word, <laughs> uh, should be. How can they help? Not, ah, I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to change this or I'm going to change that. And how can we do things and and together has to be stronger. No matter how many billions of dollars an individual may have or a particular foundation may have, obviously they can do a lot, but even more will get done if they do it with others. And so I see I I do sense uh in some some of that difference um and uh a difference between giving to help and uh, strategically uh, thinking about what to do. Um, starting with an openness of how do I help, I think is a, is a, is a good way to go forward. And we try to, listen, we try to, to teach our, our, our folks that uh, that's a way to, to, to look at things and how do we do things together. Uh, so that's, that, that is a little bit of difference. And of course, you know, again, going back, uh, and during I've been there 50 years, 40 years as the executive, you know, so I was there before there were Jewish foundations <laughs> and now we have them. And there are great and foundations are are great things to have. I mean, the notion of putting away dollars to help help in the community is a good thing. So uh, no criticism intended. But uh, again, I think it's always better when we do things together. The, the, this COVID-19 right now, in fact, the uh, Federation just kind of put together a package of, from a, 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 on purpose, a handful of, of donors plus assets that we had in terms of dealing with this. And it was, a great, it was a great opportunity to think together and how do we do this together and how do we do this without hurting the ongoing pro the other ongoing programs and responsibilities that we have so that's 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 what i hope uh, will continue that way in the future on that note were there any specific lay leaders that you could point to that kind of led with those values through your career that you could always rely on to, to be in your corner oh yeah oh of course yes and uh, again i you know I, you know the, you know the crown family is fabulous in chicago and again i've been I was privileged to know uh, Mr. Henry Crown and and Lester Crown, who I've again had a privilege to work with all of my professional life. I think uh, that particular family, along with others, but have been so instrumental in terms of the breadth and depth of their philanthropy and Jewish life. Uh, it makes life easy when you have partners like that uh, who say, "How can we help?" <laughs> and that's uh, that's that's for sure. And you know, and I again over the years, and you know, Ambassador Klotznik, and and uh, of course the, the the Pritzker family, and so many and so many others that uh, there. Um, I had a privilege of Manny Steinfeld, who was a person who um, his mother sent him to America from 1930 Germany and whole family was killed in the Holocaust and became a great hero in the American army, as well as an extraordinary uh, 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 businessman. He passed away about a year ago. Right. Uh, again, wonder just spectacular people uh, on both, uh, both as Jews and as Americans uh, and uh, people who, uh, again, wake up, woke up in the morning thinking about how can I make the world a little bit better? And I can go on and on and on. Frankly, 
with hundreds and hundreds of other of other names. And you know, every person who served as chairman of the federation is terrific. We have a, as you know, you may know, you know, we give this award once a year. It's the Rosenwald Award. That's Julius Rosenwald. That's even before my time. <laughs> That's the turn of the 20th century. Uh, but what an extraordinary uh, individual and give away all the money uh, that uh, that that he had extraordinary work in terms of working with uh, African-Americans down south and have, helping establish 5000 schools uh, for uh, uh, black Americans at, at, the, at, at the time also was the president of the Federation twice. So, you know, a rich history of, uh, of uh, individuals uh, doing so much, again, both in terms of in support of their country and support of their Jewish people. Do you believe that generosity can be taught or do you think it's like an innate, an, an innate value that you're born with? No, I think it's I think it's the former. I think uh, I think that uh, it's not by uh, accident. Uh, children. Children learn a lot from watching their parents. Uh, we learn how to we know how to learn how to speak. We learn how to eat. Uh, we learn how to behave. And I think uh, that uh, in households where tzedakah is a uh, taught value, uh, the likelihood is uh, that the children uh, will, in their own way, uh, uh, follow those. Same kind, of, same kind of patterns as this, as they, as they grow. It does, it just, it doesn't happen by accident. Some people come to it, you know, later in life, and that's fabulous and it's good, and we have all kinds of examples of that too. But uh, I think, I think, you know, as we think about Jewish life in America, and and I have five children, I have now I have grandchildren as well. Um, Jewish parents have to recognize their responsibility in terms of teaching their children in whatever way, you know, and we have different denominations and different ways of observance and all the rest. But the basic values of Yiddishkeit, of living Jewishly, um, I think transcend all the different differences. And I think kids get that. And if you, if you teach your children this is important, especially for those of us who are kind of privileged to have a house and food and all the comforts of life and to teach our children that they're privileged to have those kinds of things. And this is what we do because we have these privileges. Um, I think those lessons are, are, are learned that way. So speaking of family, it feels like it was a long time ago, but it was, it was actually less than a year ago that uh, the JUF Chicago got a new president I understand yeah. you know. I understand you know him pretty well. He's your son, Lonnie. Um, yes. So I'm just curious. I, I would love to know. Re- really, I'd love to know how that conversation went. Did he just like one day come to you and say, "Dad, I'm thinking about throwing my hat in the ring as 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 president." Um, but also, I'd really love to know from you what was that like your your wisdom that you you wanted to share with him in that moment. Yeah. Well, I I don't know about the wisdom part, but I I, I think but I I think there is a and I I'm, I'm enormously proud. Of, I'm enormously proud of all my sons, and all of them happen to be men. All five are, are, are men. But uh, uh, Lonnie, uh, uh, you know, I remember when he wanted to go to law school, he said, Dad, I want to go to law school if that's okay. He said, but I don't want to be 
I don't want to be a corporate la- uh, lawyer like uh, like uh, like Carolyn is. Carolyn's my wife, and I want to I want to be involved in, in 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 public public kinds of things with the law degree. Is that okay? I said, yeah, that's okay. It sounds like a really good idea. And so he did. So for a number of years, he worked for um, the, the state of Illinois. And then, frankly, uh, he had this opportunity to become the executive of the Midwest ADL, uh, which I think he did for 13 years. And that was really a, just a further reconnection in, in terms of uh, involvement in, Jew, in Jewish life. And frankly, just watching him from afar. And, and you know, I... Yes, I was there for 40 years, and I had a lot of influence over a lot of things. The one thing that I absolutely did not want to have any participation in was the search for a replacement for me. It's just the kind of a thing that the person in the in the position should really stay stay away from. Um, and I think I did a good job in staying away from that. But deep in my heart, that I think that uh, Lonnie was a really wonderful candidate for it. Of course, I did. And uh, and I I knew some of the other candidates and I thought they were very good also, yeah. Uh, so I just kind of watched uh, from afar, and I think in this particular instance, because I think uh, on a search committee, it's a really important responsibility to choose the the professional for an organization like this. And um, I think you know I think Lonnie was chosen despite his name being Nassiter, frankly, because, you know, people, yeah, you can, you can say, Hmm, you know, what's this, is this, uh, is this North Korea? <laughs> you know, how does that, how does that work? So a, I had nothing to do with it. B he had everything to do with it in terms of his experience and capacities. And uh, C, I, I think the community is very fortunate uh, to have him as the president of uh, JUF. I think he's, Again, I'm, obviously, I may have a bias, but I'm also pretty close to watching what's going on. I think he's, I think he's doing great. Well, I would echo that sentiment. I've had the privilege Thank of you. meeting Lonnie uh, on several occasions, and he's incredibly talented and engaging. And uh, I think we all have very high hopes for uh, what the future brings with with the federation. Thank you. I believe the uh, the number that's attached to your uh, career is uh, they say that uh, in your tenure the federation raised uh, eight billion dollars. So I, you know I'm a I'm a development professional myself. If you can give me one tip to get to eight billion dollars, <laughs> what is that? I think I'm at like two million right now. So I got a way to go. <laughs> well, first off, you know, yes, during my time that was raised. That doesn't mean that I I. It's again, it's part of a collective. It's building an institution. It's being built, helping build a culture. Uh, it's it's really and again, it sounds trite, but it's really working on the shoulders of those who came before you. And uh, I inherited when I became the executive, and I was young. I was only 34 when I became the executive. And as you may know, I was the fourth executive, and now Lonnie's the fifth in 120 years. So we don't have that many. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I think that it's, 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 uh, uh, it's being connected to the great events in Jewish life, the great events in Jewish life, whether it's the, um, uh, bringing in, you know, the opening up the gates to the Soviet union or support of Israel during, uh, times of, uh, um, a great moment or the rescue of Ethiopian Jews or dealing with the great recession or dealing with COVID-19 events create the needs. 
and then to have uh, the capacity and the experience and 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 this a strategic perspective on okay, what do we need and how do we do it uh, is what you know comes to success. So um, again, it's it's a it's a very large number. It involves a lot of people, um, and uh, you know I feel I feel really good about it. And of course, it's not a number. It's not as if and as a result, Federation has eight billion dollars. In endowment money, we spent that money. <laughs> we see that eight billion dollars was all spent, uh, just about all of it, all spent yeah, as it was sh- as it should be. And uh, you know, an- another eight billion will be will be raised uh, hopefully over a shorter period of time than than than, than forty years because uh, the needs uh, continue to be very very large. Anyone who works in uh, fundraising, development, non for profit, you know, we say there are definitely times that you need to kind of have thick skin, you deal with some nose and some, uh, you know, oftentimes just people are not necessarily interested, excuses, yeah. whatever you want to call them. I imagine you've got some pretty good war stories over raising uh, yeah, $8 billion. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, and, and then too, again, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, you, 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 again, don't take it personally. And, um, to the extent that uh, what uh, what you're encouraging people to think about doesn't resonate with you is not necessarily your fault. Um, and you just got to continue to try and don't close any doors and uh, and you know, don't uh, don't be angry with people and just and move on to the people that that do want to be to do want to participate and do want to help um, spend more time on that than. Uh, you know, sharing the, yeah, the war stories can be cute here and there, but essentially nothing productive comes uh, from, from, from that other than to, you know, keep it in your mind. And today we keep it in the computer uh, and listen, it comes back. I said something earlier in our conversation. I really think it's, I think an important part of solicitation isn't about, oh, get my story down right. Are my facts all together? And what's the process by which I talk to the individual with and obtain the gift? I think good solicitation is kind of having a spending a lot of time in developing relationships with people. And two, again, listening to what they're thinking. And, and first of all, you'd be surprised. Oftentimes, people outside your circle may have an idea or a thought that are very, very good. And, and, and take the person from where they're at rather than notions of, well, they have to come out in the same place that I'm at. at, at the latter isn't going to be a successful way to do it. It's working with people where they're at and helping bring them to a, a different different point. So that's been my thing. You know, develop relationship, listen, listen carefully. And uh, when there's special needs and you think that individual can help, you share that information. And and uh, and if you're not successful, you move on. Yeah, and so I, I hope that's helpful. You mentioned uh, developing relationships. So how is your golf game? <laughs> Where'd you get that? <laughs> Someone's lo- been talking. Oh, <laughs> oh I, don't, I didn't know Actually, that. Actually, we didn't know. We, we love golf, so. <laughs> uh, well, as it so happens, I'm playing today at 1245. Who, if you don't so, mind, who are you playing uh, with? My my youngest son. Yeah, so we're, we're, uh, we're at a place where you can play in twosomes now. Uh, so uh, we've been, actually, it's, it, to be honest, during this, 
COVID. That's the only thing that be, is kind of like normal. It's, and even that's not totally normal, but it's a, it's a big up. I mean, I've always enjoyed playing. I really do enjoy playing golf and I'm not great, but I, but I, but I do, I enjoy, do enjoy playing it. And, uh, during this time, it's that one piece of like, well, that was fun, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so yeah, I try to get out there um, a couple it, times a week. Yeah. It's definitely the most normal thing we can do. And I personally don't mind not having to dig my arm all the way in the cup to pull the ball out. So yeah. Yeah. Although I find it frustrating. I tell you, I don't know that your listeners, unless they're golfers can get into this, but you know, the different nuance of the cup. And I, I must confess, sometimes it gets so damn frustrating. That you say, ah, you just, just stick your hand. What are you doing, dad? Don't, don't put your hand there. Don't put your hand there. Okay, so maybe when all this is over, maybe when all this is over, if you're ever looking for another two to, uh, ah, you to got make a deal. That's a nice, that's, that's, that's nice. Okay, to all listeners, you you've heard it here. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Nasser has, has committed to playing golf with Struli Wagapolsky and Ari Strulowitz. <laughs> sounds <laughs> like, it. sounds like, sounds good. Book it. We will. I look, I will look forward to that because that would be, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Dr. Nasser. He, just... he wants to know where you play. Oh. Uh, I'm, I play at uh, Northmore up in, up in Highland Park. Now. Okay, beautiful. So, yeah. Dr. Nasser, one last question before before we leave. I am curious. I know you travel a lot. What are your thoughts on paper boarding passes? Paper, board, <laughs> paper boarding passes. I, I you know, I, it's a matter of age. So, I do travel a lot, and notwithstanding the fact that I did travel a lot, notwithstanding the fact that I did travel a lot, I was always very anxious as I traveled. <laughs> It was like, get to the airport on time, make sure that the bag goes through, you know, do I have the right seats, all those kinds of things. Uh, now I'm sharing probably too much. I probably sound like a, some kind of a kook, but, but I am. And, I, and my family knows too. It's like the day that it's, we're, we're coming back from where it is from, if it was a vacation time, uh-oh, stay away from dad. This is, this is, this is times where it's not good to be around him because he gets a little, little, little wacky. Um, so in that connection, I like a paper, I like that piece of paper in my hand as opposed to digital. I really do. I mean, how about if the digital doesn't work? How about if I, I don't know. I just like, oh, I got a piece of paper. It says what seat I'm supposed to be in. I kind of like, I kind of like that. Although I, I must confess as I get older, I, I admit to liking more and more of the things that were in the past as opposed to the future. If I did easier. Well, so, I'm, I'm a few years younger than you, and I still prefer the paper boarding pass. So for whatever <laughs> that's it's worth. That's a very important question. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> I understand. All right, Dr. Nasser, we don't want to take up the rest of your day. Thank you so uh, much. Thank you. We had a it ton was of fun. Really, it, was really, it was nice to chat with both of you. I wish you only the best. And uh, I'm, I'm really I'm impressed that you care enough uh, to think about podcasts and the work that you do in camps and and the notions of how to engage people it really is uh very very important for our collective future and uh i'm gonna feel really privileged that you called me and it was really fun talking with you well the privilege is really all, all ours so thank really, you thank, thank you, you so you much. very much have a great thank day thank you Take you care. too bye-bye Bye. okay first of all we're gonna do now we're gonna do a quarantine high five which is not really a high five because that was freaking awesome. And we didn't screw it up. Oh, my God. Okay, I have two oh. big takeaways. I have two big takeaways. My first one is... Yeah, yeah I just need to breathe. My, my first big my takeaway... My hands are all sweaty. Say time out. Sorry. 
I just want to have this thought. My okay, first big takeaway is that he mentioned that what inspired him to get into Jewish life was an event and not a person. And if is there an event in the last 20 years that you could point to that would maybe inspire people today? I, I can't think of one. Was, was there an event that inspired Jewish unity, like the reunification of Jerusalem and the Six-Day War? I don't think there has been since then. I mean, nothing like, nothing, I, I don't... Is there anything else? I don't think so. I Well, like, like the Six-Day War? No, that was pretty... Um... No, I don't think since the Six Day War there's been anything like the Six Day War necessarily. But I, I imagine that the, for a lot of people in the Jewish in, in, in Jewish communal work, there have been events, um, maybe on a smaller scale, that have inspired them. Okay, so uh, we're going to phase three of the state on May 29th, and we're playing golf with Dr. Steve Nasser. Yeah, how, what do we do next? Just email his whatever. We'll figure it out. What did you think about the whole thing? No, I think it was incredible. It's just listen. It is definitely. He's an awesome guy. Um, sorry for using the word awesome. Everyone knows I use the word awesome too much. I apologize. Look, I think if anything, uh, if, if, if awesome ever, is if for ever anything, there was, it was a for time this. to use this the word was awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he's incredible. His accomplishments are amazing. As someone who grew up in Chicago and grew up hearing about the Federation, not really knowing what it was outside of the Walk for Israel, which you don't know what that is, um, there's really not. It was just we grew up knowing what the Federation was. I, I, I went to a school that in the 90s had a lot of Russian immigrants in my class. Um, shout out to Anton Bushkov. You know, <laughs> I remember him. I don't know. There's like a... It, 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 Chicago was... Go, it was something that was like felt. It was felt. The accomplishments of the Federation then were really being felt in a real way, even to, to the to the youth. Um, and obviously now reflecting back on his tenure, it's, it's incredible what he's done. And to have him on was truly an honor and a privilege. And he's a sweet, sweet guy. So, yeah. That was really incredible. Wherever I go, whether it's New York or San Diego, I always talk about you know the accomplishments and the reach of the Chicago Jewish Federation. You know, an annual campaign that raises north of eighty million dollars in a city of our size per capita—it's it's it's astronomical. It's a silly number. I wonder where Anton Bushkoff is today. <laughs> <laughs> He's in second grade with me. Well, I just want to say, like, pressure's on because you're really bad at golf. So what's gonna? He's happen? probably he must be good. Of course he's good. He's Steve freaking Nassiter. Are you kidding me? Of course he's good at golf. When he says like he's not great, he probably shoots in eighties. Um, I can shoot the eighties in like three holes. <laughs> <laughs> you hit eighty after six holes. Um, all right. Well, that was the uh, that was a great interview. Have we? I think we just peaked. I, I was afraid of that. <laughs> like, who's next? Maybe he can help us get Nathan Sharansky on. Oh, that'd be cool. But his Russian isn't good. Our Russian's not good. I think, no, Sharansky speaks English. Come Maybe An Anton could translate for us. Anton Bushkov? <laughs> <laughs> if somehow Anton Bushkov is listening to this. <laughs> you know, we, we did scrap the question about who's the most influential person in your phone. He would have been the, the person to ask. I, I, I can't even imagine who it is. Yeah, I know. After our, after our foursome, we'll, we'll come back to the, to the listeners with that. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Amazing. All right. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. So I, in the car today on the way <clears throat> to the studio, I came up with a the, with the new segment. And we're going to call it Board Spouses Tell All. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to call our the spouses of our board members. And we're going to it's research journalism. That's what it is. <clears throat> is that a thing? That's what it's called, right? Research journalism? Yeah, but the goal is just to get dirt. We want, just, we want some leverage. Because <laughs> then we'll be like, um, well, if you don't come to the board meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the point. So uh, today we're going to call uh, Deb Lichman, wife of Shelly Lichman. And uh, we, have, we, have some, we have some very important questions for her. And here we go. Does she know we're calling her? I texted her before. Hopefully she'll. You think he's like nearby? I hope not. Hey. Talk. Hi. Hi, Deb. So you're, you're live on 990 Talk. 
Um, okay. So the segment. Wait, wait, is Shelly nearby? Is he near you? He's not. Okay. Okay, great. The segment is called Board Spouses Tell All. So we're gonna over the next few weeks, we're gonna call the different spouses of the of the members of our board, and we're gonna get we're gonna get some dirt on them. So we've got okay. some questions. So uh, Ari's our, our, gonna go first. Okay, number one. Um, what time does Shelly wake up in the morning? Six thirty. And is it like he's like a big routine guy, right? Like six thirty every yes. day. Like he yeah. doesn't miss that ever, does he? Never. He never sleeps in. Unless we're out on vacation. Oh man. Was that like a flex? What? <laughs> no, no, never mind. Never mind. Okay. okay. Fine. Next. Uh, what are his pajamas of choice? Boxers and an undershirt. Okay. What do, you, what do you? What are your thoughts on that? I could not care less. You're indifferent. Okay. Okay. What does Whatever. he do first in the morning? Check his phone or brush his teeth? Check his phone. He probably checks his phone like all day, all uh, every day. Mm, a lot. Yes. Okay, I, I have a better question. What is his go-to parenting tactic? Like, what's his go-to parenting threat? Um, yeah, go to your room. Okay, that's not a good one. Uh, really? That's why your house is wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you saying like he doesn't like he like, he doesn't like one item. He's like, like I like I think I've confiscated my daughter's rollerblades like six times this week. No. All right. What's his What's his favorite? Meal. He's really healthy, still, right? He's uh, he's been slipping a little um, bit. He's, yeah. Um. It depends on the month, but. <laughs> so then let, um, let's do this way. What's his trigger food? Like, what's that unhealthy food that if he has one, he's gonna end up having thirty of? Oh, uh, chicken fingers, fried chicken, anything like that. Fried chicken. Okay. I hear like that. Like popcorn chicken. Chick- yeah. What is his favorite music to listen to? country do you actually think oh. he's a, do you actually think he's a good writer yes <laughs> you do yes are you just saying that i mean i do are also, you just you th- are you just saying that because you think he might hear this and then he'll be like no no, no no he's he's very talented in that area you think he has a way with words yeah, grammar words yes he's not a linguistic terrorist would you would you would you would you attribute that to a stellar education from the scranton yeshiva no. <laughs> he's self, uh, self-taught, self-motivated. Self-taught, self-made. I like that. Self-made. Yes. Does he have any books that he's currently reading at the moment? Mm, just farm. Just farm. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, well. All I right, think, so anything else? I know. I think uh, I think we've covered the basics. We should let her go before like a kid throws another kid out the window or something over there. <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like it's kind of chaotic. In the new house also. We don't want to get the new house to get ruined. Right. Right. How's cake making going for Shavuos? Amazing. Easy as pie. Are you making cheesecakes? Oh, plug. Oh, yeah. She deserves a plug for this. Oh, so easy as pie. Order them. Easy as pie. Yes. Pies for Shavuos. Dairy and Paris. Are you doing cheesecakes? I have a brownie cheesecake. My wife was trying to convince me that it was rational to order a, a cheesecake from Lilac and Cream in New York. It's not rational at all. I mean, Listen, I, I'll pay 50 bucks for the cheesecake, but... When she's like, the shipping's forty five. I'm like, no, no. So, if our it's, listeners wanted to place an order, how could they? How can they make an order with Easiest Pie? Um, through Instagram or WhatsApp me, um, or text me. By the way, just a, me. just a just a quick disclaimer: you may have to give Michael Knopf a free pie 
for giving well, me Well, let's the see ad what read. happens first. Yeah, let's see if he notices. Let's see what happens. He may not even notice. I'm not sure he's ever listened to an episode past the ad read in the beginning. So, all right, and I will I will testify. Easy as pie is delicious. So, and also if you're looking, you. if you're looking. For- okay, this has been great though. Please don't tell Shelly we did this. Thank yes, you so do much. Do not tell him. I will not. Okay, he has to hear about it from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Good All luck. Right. Bye. Right, thanks. Take Bye. Care. Bye. Hey, uh, some typical stuff. I mean, I think we'll have to work on the questions a little bit, but I think that was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think we need like one question we're going to ask everyone. Like, like a, one. Like one. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of them have to be obviously, you know, about, you know, because we know their personalities, but like there has to be one like targeted question that's really good. I thought the parenting question is a good one. Um, yeah. But maybe like it should be like. And I think the pajama question is a good one. I think it should be more like a scenario. Like, okay, the following happened in your house. What is, you know, how does he react? That kind of thing. Right. Right. All right. You want, you got a link swipe for us? I got some link swipe. Yeah. So let's do some link swipe now. Let's do some link swipe. Um, I've definitely noticed. So some one person who I had accepted their link swipe uh, connection um, whenever the last time I did it was. So they, they tracked it like they had like a huge spike in um, profile views. That day that it released, it's pretty cool. What the person that you accepted? The person I accepted had a huge spike in profile views. How, the he day told it you released. that? Yeah. Wow, that's actually hilarious. Okay, so I I have three or four here. All right, let's go. Okay, so um, before we do this again, the listeners do keep asking. They want to know like our tips, our tips <laughs> for uh, for creating your profile. So we're not just gonna accept or not accept. We're going to give our amateur advice to those that are trying to utilize LinkedIn for business. Okay. Yeah. So the first one that I have, the description is publisher of the Jewish voice, leading Jewish newspaper, New York city, metropolitan area. So I know where your head goes. Your head goes to what's my benefit. Um, I imagine, listen, you work in communal Jewish work. I think this is a no brainer that you should be accepting this one. I agree. Um, if I ever need to get a message, if I need, if I need to get some PR out, some of messaging, course. Um, it's always good to be connected with the with the press, you know, um, going back to last episode. So Uncle Chuck was talking about how, you know, Michael Jordan had editorial control of his of his uh, of his documentary. I think if you uh, if you have the press in your palm, if you have the press in your palm, um, that's a good thing. It's a good strategy. Yeah, but don't take any false security in the fact that you've accepted a LinkedIn request and now all of a sudden you have the press in your palm. It's a step. Let's, it's a step in that direction. It's a step in that direction. But yes. I'm one step closer now. Having yeah, it was like, control. like a couple of years ago. Remember that whole story that I ended up on the news for? About the, the Camp phylacteries? Because Camp Nagu Midwest lent um, 12 sets of phylacteries of tefillin to an eighth grade class that had come in from Detroit and their van got robbed. So like after that week, there was a couple other stories in Jewish community that they wanted to run. So I was in touch with like Chris Hosh and all these guys at NBC News, which was really cool for a little bit. And like, but now they don't answer my calls. Yeah, or my so you're saying you you're saying you, you, you they slipped out of the palm of your hand. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe there's a lot of turnover there. I don't know. Maybe all the emails are like old, but like I probably could still dig up like three or four producers from NBC. When we have a good story, maybe we should try and like pitch it to them or something. Okay, the next one I have over here is gonna grind your gears. You think gears. they would cover the podcast? Second, hold on. Sorry, sorry. This one sorry. this one's gonna grind your gears. Ready? Okay. Oh uh oh. It's like is that like a trigger warning? Yeah, for you it is. Uh New York Life Agent. Okay. It 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 it, it, it no. Okay. One second. Let me just take a deep breath. Okay, so it's a life insurance agent. Yep. Okay, great. So everyone needs life insurance. It's a good thing. And yeah, if you have it, so then great. Um, if you need it, 
because you don't have it yet, so then maybe accept a friend. I don't know why you would accept their request if you already have life insurance. Right, so that's what I was going to say. It comes down to thing. if I need life insurance. Correct. It's great. If thing. I don't, then I, I probably don't need it. And then if you accept Look, it. He lives on the East Coast. Um, I If I was looking for more life insurance, um, I would probably do it with someone that I that I know well. Yeah, I mean, this is a tr- this trust. is really a trigger to all those that are life insurance agents out there. And but, but by the way, say that they're in financial planning, which I'm not getting into right now. So that's the trigger right there. Stop. There we go. We're just done. Um, I would Next just say one. I do respect the hustle um, for life insurance agents. It's a grind. I do respect it. Um, that being said, I probably would not go into that profession. Okay. Next. That, that's going to be well, how did link swipe swipe be, how did link swipe left. become <laughs> us, us talking about which professions people should go into look people come to us for advice okay yeah that's like a bit that's like a little bit of an overreach okay next okay business owner and entrepreneur at king realty properties llc heath ohio that's where he's from heath ohio yeah am i pronouncing that right heath heath i don't heath? know like heath bauer h-e-a-t-h um, I mean, there's probably no benefit to you. Also, the about here is a little bit creepy. I'm here for you personally, spiritually, and professionally. Okay, so that... If you so choose. So you're not my you rabbi. I'm going to jump on the soapbox here for a minute. You're not my rabbi. That everybody likes to be relevant, and we all strive for relevancy, but at some times... Relevance. I mean, we strive for relevance. Relevance. Oh, wait, relevancy. Move on. Go on. Yeah. Yeah, let's try that again. I'm going to jump on my soapbox here for a minute and just say I understand that everyone has the authentic drive to strive for relevance and to be relevant. Um, But I don't think it necessarily gives us the right or license to overstate our role. You know what I mean? Like people, like going back to the insurance agent, you're not a life coach because you help people buy insurance policies. You know what I mean? Like there's life coaches. I, I, I'm having trouble thinking of other examples of this, but I think that's a, like everyone is out to like be your everything and they're really just your IT support guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so, so hearing from a guy who manages real estate that he's there for you spiritually Mm-mm. is ridiculous. Mm-mm. Don't overstate your role and your influence. So are you saying that if you, do that in your description that you... Yeah, that's a huge red flag. flag. Yes. Okay, so... It's a huge red flag. So left... Swipe that one. Left. I don't know which is left or right, but just swipe it. Left is no, right is yes. Yeah, swipe no. Okay. Um, Do you want to go or should I I keep going? No, I I don't have any. You don't want to go today? Um... I, again, I'm really not like comfortable with my LinkedIn thing. Yeah, but so I didn't even really prepare for this one. Okay, um, I'll do one more and then we'll wrap it up. If I, I'm gonna, you do it one more, and if if something good pops up, okay. I'll, I'll... Junior entry level software engineer, Ruby Rails, JavaScript, Views.js, HTML.slash/CSS, pair programming. I don't even know what he's talking about, and if I don't know what you're talking about, I'm probably out. Okay, I just want to say I am going to give you a profile right now. I, I, could you finish mine first? Sorry, yeah, what? I just said if, if I don't know what you're talking about in your bio, I'm probably out. If you don't know what they're talking like, I don't about? Even, I don't even know what these words mean. It's like tech stuff. It's like IT. Um, the way I view IT is I want to call the IT guy that you just mentioned before and just be uninvolved. So, Right, IT is one of those jobs It's like I don't really want to know. Just like take care of it. Right. And, and don't, don't ask hotel. Char- and don't charge me a lot of money. Right. If I if I if I'm comfortable with the number, I'll pay it, and that's it. I don't I don't I don't know anything else. So I mean, it's a di- they're speaking a different language. Right. It's kind of exactly. like your car- it's like a car mechanic. Right. Like you show up with your car, like 
are they always going to, like, I, I should just maybe buy, like, a lifetime supply of cabin air filters. Because every time I bring my car in, it's like, okay, by the way, you need to replace your cabin air filter. I don't even know what that is. I think you need a new mechanic. <laughs> I might. I jumped onto LinkedIn, and there is one here that really caught my eye. So this is in just my many uh, invitations that apparently I have. One of them, it's like just instead of the job, I guess it's a, it's a, a line. But it's pretty catchy. Can't fall asleep. Blah, blah, blah. Can't fall asleep. Waking up exhausted. Read this profile. Okay, I'm just. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that caught me. You know what that does? That profile makes me want to go to sleep. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I help busy executives get the sleep they need to perform optimally. Is it possible that I already swiped on this guy on the show? Uh, you think he's like, oh, I'm going to give it another try, try to get on the show? And I just don't remember. I mean, it's an insomnia consulting. That's what this guy does. So I don't. I'm done with the. I'm not interested anymore. I don't, I'm not an insomniac. If if I, uh, I have I have really not much trouble sleeping at night. Um, so I'm done. But I guess there's a lesson here that it worked. It piqued my interest for sure. Yes, and then you saw that you were out. I'm just like weirded out by everything else. So yeah. left. No, I'm gonna accept it anyway. Oh well. Okay, so we we had two acceptances today. Congrats yeah, to he's a good uh, guy. Oh, you know him? Yeah, I know him. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, I feel you. Um, well, that was today's show. Um, you I think, think he's like an insomnia consultant, and he's also gonna help me like with my like lawn care? No, I think you need a lawn care. It's time to get a lawn. It's time to, to landscape. Go back to landscaping, right? Yeah. The lawnmower thing's not really working so well for me. No. But it's I just listen. I you know I, res- I respect the effort. I respect yeah. that you're a, you're a hands-on guy. You know, um, but hey, ultimately, don't tell my wife because I spent a lot of money on that stuff. Well, okay. So I probably I have to go like through half the summer to make some of the money back, but whatever. All right, that was a great show, and um, Steve Nasser is the man, and I'm looking forward to our round of golf with him. And on that note, play me some uh, AJ Barons. Homies looking out for me. They the ones who family. I've been on that melody. It's obvious this ain't. I'm gonna do me, and you can do you. But I'm gonna.